0: Seven, six,
1: five, four,
0: three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Liz Canvey. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is the Morning Lee Stafford. Hey, this is
1: Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation. Hello again, and welcome to a belated championship edition of the program. We've got a WNBA championship to celebrate. We have some college news and excitement to look forward to. We got things to cheer about. We got things to gripe about. We've got, I'm sure other things as well. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm here with Logan Jones.
0: Logan, how be it? I'm Logan Jones and I'm here with Steve Schwartzman. That's how I feel about that. I'm doing great. It's uh, it's our off season, but as, as we mentioned on Twitter the other day, uh, WNBA nation has no off season. So no, we, we just keep on rolling into uh off season content, college, final four draft, all of it.
1: Yeah. There, it's, it's, we're now in that point where actually things can remain just about as busy if we want it to. It's just that it's, like it's, things overlap into other things. Now there isn't just a stretch of a season. It's like, let's tap. We got this to kick off and then this thing, and then this thing. And, and then before you know it, it's a draft, and then it's a
0: preseason, it just it folds in pretty I always, well. I always feel a little bad for uh, WNBA Nation listeners who follow our individual Twitter accounts because this is also the time of year where we go from mainly tweeting about women's basketball to also you'll get occasional um, my Seahawks are bad tweets or uh, in Steve's case, the Dodgers are bad slash the Dodgers are winning the World Series tweets depending on the day. Um, this is because we're sports fans of all leagues and, such... and October is, is kind of the best time of year for that, but make no mistake, is... women's basketball coverage still are our, our number one. Um, you just might see some of that creep in over the next couple of weeks. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. You mentioned that. I actually did text my best friend, one of my good friends, Jordan, like my, my best Dodger friend Jordan and actually texted him the classic. We just won our 106 game and I still can't tell if the Dodgers are good. Um, <laughs> And, and people would laugh at that, but that's the world we live in sports. It's being a sports fan is fun. Some, some years I feel like I wish I wasn't. I just feel like I would probably add like 14 years directly back onto my life.
0: Just definitely, definitely. I've had this conversation recently with, uh, I, I, you probably know Tommy, Tommy, who is a Utah state fan, a Boise state fan and an Indianapolis Colts fan. Um, Mm -hmm. all three of those teams play their hated rivals in the next 72 hours and all three of those teams are probably going to lose um and i'm worried about it i i suggested over the phone earlier this week like we should get really into like stuffed breads you yeah. know like like let's we should start at home making pizzas like yeah, just, just doing like, doing something that's productive with our lives instead of stressing over whether or not jonathan taylor is going to get a touchdown like we, <laughs> we yeah,
1: can do better. i i remember telling Kyle one time like what if you and i drop All like all the sports and it's just fly fishing like you already love it, (laughs) but you get me into it. And that's just that's us now is we just fly fishing like and that's it, because I think that would be a lot. First of all, tons more relaxing Um, and, you know, like it actually like maybe I might be a good person after it. As opposed to... It feels like sometimes after a sporting oh, event, I'm a hor- I am used to be a horrific human after
0: it. Like, we're, we're in like... I think we're in season five or six of WNBA Nation. By season 20, this is going to be a midlife crisis pod. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's just going to be about boating and taking care of your lawns. Yeah. That's
1: where... <sighs> Maybe by then we'll see if lawns exist. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe zero escaping is a hobby. I don't know. But Logan, let's get to the belated news that technically we could have done well over a week ago. But let's finally do it. Congratulations to the Las Vegas Aces for 2022 You did it. WNBA champions. As if it was a shock to seemingly anyone. Here's the thing. We had a five versus six matchup last season. So to walk in as the number one and seem like the odds on favorite from start to finish. Doesn't exactly bode a strong resume heading into the playoffs, but they come in um and essentially cruise through things, uh, beating Connecticut in four games. Uh while Connecticut was very competitive, had a very decisive win. My assumption is it really felt like this was the aces to squander throughout, and they stayed in control. They played high octane offensive basketball and then by game 4 they figured out defensively how to essentially put a full on cap on things um Chelsea Gray your finals mvp which is a discussion in and of itself yes. we had the Vegas championship parade of all championship parades there's just a lot to talk about i like there is there is additional buzz already coming off of this championship like something i don't know that we've seen before Everything considered, now that we've had a chance to give a real good, long look back at this WNBA Finals, this playoffs, this season, and the Aces in general and their potential impact, what's your impressions? What's your hand on it? What are you remembering
0: most or taking with you most coming out of this? Uh, I think the two big takeaways for me, I'll I'll go micro and then I'll go macro. With the benefit of retrospect, I think the Aces won the championship this year when they beat Seattle in that (laughs) overtime. Yes, sir. I think that was the moment that they ascended from we've been good all year. We've been a contender all year. We've had Becky Hammond and a great offense all year to nothing is going to stop us from accomplishing our goal. Um The macro is a lot more fun for me. I think for us to talk about, which is since Asia Wilson's been in the league, we've been talking about how she's destined for multiple rings and here's number yes. one. Um And, and we, You got to be careful with that because stars come into sports leagues all the time that look like they're going to be the next big thing. And sometimes it doesn't work out or sometimes it takes to the twilight of their career to finally reach that point. Asia still not yet really even in her prime. She's the raging, uh, raging. She's the reigning uh, league MVP. She's got a ring. She's probably not done. I would probably caution people uh, not to get too ahead of themselves, but as you look at next year's rosters, you got to believe that Vegas is basically going to run everybody back and other teams are going to have to make some some serious ground up in order to compete with them. So uh, I, I know everybody who wins a championship immediately, that's where our thoughts go is like, could this be the start of a dynasty? Is that where this is heading? I, I don't think it's instructive to really get like that far ahead of ourselves just yet. But yes. it, the, the legacy of Aja Wilson is she's won everywhere she's been and it seems like she's going to continue to do so, and it's nice that she's got some WNBA hardware now in the trophy case.
1: Yes, I, I, I totally agree on the on those fronts because I think as I look at the entire situation on like as wide of a scale as I can, it, it almost has a similar build up to what we saw with with Bree Stewart, which was you had those first couple of years where you looked impressive but weren't able to really tie it down to team success. Where does that build? All of a sudden you play at an MVP level, your team starts to formalize and you were able to turn it into a ring within, you know, your first three to four seasons. And it turns into now it's a bona fide, you know, with Bree Stewart, wherever Bree goes is basically a title contender. And that's Asia Wilson. It's just like becoming, she's, she's going to be gaining to that level Which is why I told, I told you guys when this series was ended, what I'm most excited about is narrative wise, this creates the stage for the next great league rivalry, the next great, like, these are the two that will carry the next, like, standing in peace. And as we put, you know, as we're saying goodbye to that, you know, super Diana Tarasi level, and we have a few others, you know, and to, to Candace Parker, Sylvia Fowles, you know, we have a lot of these pairings. This is that next one that's like, we're in prime position to be talking about is one of these two, you know, the G.O.A.T. You know, like it's it's very intriguing on that level. The other big narrative to me that I think is highly important, and this was the thing that like straight up got to me, was um the the Becky Hammond story is one of the most interesting stories in all of sports of the last like 30 years, her rise as a player, her ability to fight to, to get to the top as a player, not be able to pull in that ring, her willingness to fight, to try and gain prominence as a woman in the NBA and not get that opportunity. And to step into this role, to get the WNBA ring she's deserved all along and essentially kind of put herself at the top of the pedestal in terms of coaches. And I know a lot of people might take a little bit of offense to that, but I mean, her hands are all over this. This was not just a, a really solid name in Becky Hammond joining a really immaculate team, especially when you consider this was a team that lost Liz Cambage right as she walked in. Um, This team works because Becky Hammond put her entire DNA into it. I mean, look at Chelsea Gray's prominence in the playoffs. Look at everything Kelsey Plum did in changing her game. Look at how Jackie Young performed. Look at the depth of your backcourt in general. Look at the defensive prowess of this team. Uh, She came in and said, like, we're literally flipping the script and we're playing the game my way and turn this into everything. And you talked about it, how there's potential for the Aces to run this back because a lot of people are going to play for that because I think she's the type of coach that's injected some really, really inspiring energy into these players. Like, they vary very behind their coach. Um, in a way that I could say, if you want to be that person, and I don't necessarily see this as strongly as others, if you want to be that person that kind of said, like, Steve Kerr and the Warriors mentality like created a new era in the MNBA, if you want to be that person... Becky and this aces team could be that team. Like could be that mixture. That's like that next echelon, that new mentality of the league and what it takes to be a championship team.
0: I I like what you said there. I, I hope nobody makes the mistake of thinking that anyone could have stepped in and inherited Asia Wilson with a great supporting cast and won a championship. Nope. Vegas has never won a championship. Those players on that team have never won a championship. There's a lot of really good rosters in the league with really good coaches who got outcoached and outplayed Connecticut by name specifically, but also Seattle and everybody else they had to run through in order for them to win. And to your point, I mean, I don't think every coach pulls red hot Chelsea Gray into the, into the postseason and makes her into a finals MVP. I don't think every coach gets Chelsea Plum To be an all-star on a team that's already loaded with all-star talent, there's you know the everybody always makes that argument when teams make up uh, make a big free agency poll. That's like, oh, there's only one basketball. How's this going to work? Good coaching is how it works. Knowing how to distribute the ball well and get everybody involved, maximizing your talents is how it works. Exactly that.
1: But then at the same time, the new narrative now is when a when a uh, elite level player leaves your roster. It's always who are you replacing them with? And I feel like Becky's mentality was she looked at two like overall first draft picks and said, I don't need to replace them. You two are stepping up. And that was Kelsey Plum and Jackie Younger, especially during the regular season of kind of saying like, this is the two and the three, which is hysterical when you're like, we took the year and almost forgot Chelsea Gray in that mixture. And not that I think that was intentional, but I think in Becky's situation, she's going like, it's, this is going to be extra fun when I get to like p- hit that NOS button in the playoffs Yeah, uh, and people aren't going to know I'm, what to
0: do. I'm officially to the point now where if I see anyone use Kelsey Plum's name as shorthand for like disappointing draft pick, I'm blocking them on Twitter like yeah. it's not that's, it's not good discourse anymore she was an all-star on a championship winning team she started she's, she's in the all-star game it. like she's, yeah. and she was a starter yeah she's been having a really good career but people still i think even this last off season we got a question on a Q&A episode that's like you like to talk in this draft is going to be you know, the oh, Kelsey a, Plum of the draft. It was, it was a like. Caitlin
1: Clark question. Is, is Caitlin yes, Clark yes. destined to be an elite player? or Is she going to be kind of like a Kelsey Plum? And what we were trying to say was, what is wrong with being Kelsey Plum? Especially because her story barely had started. She then turned around and was in the top five at MVP voting. And, like, you, you yes, look at that narrative. Fine. Yeah, like, <laughs> and that was the thing is I just went, for me... Plum was drafted onto it, and I, like, you know, love my Texans. An abysmal San Antonio Stars team. A horrifically bad San Antonio Stars team. Then, you know, was with that team, moved to Vegas right as Asia Wilson shows up and it becomes her team. You know, you wait one season, all of a sudden you pick up Liz Cambage. This is very much a Bill Lambier Twin Towers type situation that they're trying to build, you kind of understand that you're not being billed as a part of this huge equation. And it finally took someone to put you in that situation to thrive because what, what I've watched her do, and she was one of those players I talked about, like that three X three situation that just kind of turned you into, you know, really showed your ability to uh, translate your skills. Well, and watching her play, pick up her ability, like her, like, go from being a fast player to probably the fastest player in the league. Someone who can create her own shots, someone who can create open baskets across, you know. She found so many ways to contribute and then was finally put in a situation where a coach turned to them and said, What turned you into the top pick in that, in the 2017 draft was your ability to score. For the first time in your WNBA career, a coach is about to tell you, I need you to go out there and score buckets. (laughs) And she did it and turned herself into a star. And I mean, it's just, that's the thing, like star making performances was kind of the, theme of almost this playoffs was a a lot of players walking out of it saying we're who you're going to
0: remember. Yeah. This was obviously a great postseason for a lot of reasons. Happy for the Aces and happy for a lot of teams and how they performed throughout the season. There's obviously the downside to this. And I'm sorry, Connecticut fans for having to listen to so much uh, Vegas fanfare, um, both from our pod and just the general WNBA world. Um, I'm worried about uh, our Sun fans. I'm worried that they've, they've come so close with this roster so many times that it's hard to know what they need to do in order to improve it. Um, you don't, you know, you don't fire a coach who's had that much success over the last several years. You don't, you don't blow up the team, unless you're the Utah Jazz, you don't blow up a team that had a number one or number two seed recently just to start over again. Um, but it's to the point now where they almost have to do something. Um, and I'm not sure what their offseason looks like. I don't really have any more talking points about the Connecticut Sun other than to remember, like, yet again, we had a a great season and a just kind of a, a I don't know, a word that doesn't sound mean. A finish that their fans aren't going to be happy with.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'll say this. Um, In terms of, f- like, a failure, failed to reach the goal, 2021 was that. For Connecticut. I don't even think there's any ifs, ands, buts about it. You were the top seed by, by a distance in that playoffs. You came short in the commissioners cup game, turned that into like a monstrous run in the second half of the season, came in as the odds on favorite, um, and then flopped in the semifinals and, because of that, people, I think, lost a little bit of that energy stock with Connecticut of like, okay, but when are they going to seal this in when it matters? And it's that's where this gets frustrating. It's like, what more could they possibly do? And I don't yeah. like, like they're in this situation of like, oh, do you add some insane star? You know, do you get really hard into the Breeze to sweepstakes or something? It's like, well, you could but anything you do is going to mess with the the laboratory formula that is this roster yeah. that Kurt Miller's put together that he wrote to the finals and it's just, so it's hard to kind of figure out where does that come from how is that pieced together and the only thing that i can think of is uh, i if they are going to lose any level of top end players especially starters on this team my full and honest belief is it's gonna to be to work their way up the draft board. I think the one way that they these guys are gonna say is like, we probably can't make a, an Aaliyah Boston type move. I don't think that anyone in in her when when she's ready to come to the league, I don't think anyone's gonna be able to trade away that top pick. Um But is there Is there a player on the the college radar that we go Like, that's the name. That's the one that we think we can make happen. And like, is it, you know, is it Angel Reese? Is it Ashley Jones? You know, it's like you look at these names and you're going like, who is it that we kind of go like, that's who we think we can actually put our full investment in. And it turns into, you know, they become that youth injection that changes the trajectory of this team. And that's hard yeah. to tell if it's going to, you know, yeah. it's adding, you know, like, honestly, when you look at it, like Cameron Brink is such a Connecticut sun player, like is kind of <laughs> almost built like a Connecticut sun player, but then also like Anzi, you know, Nisa Morrow probably isn't quite uh in what people might prototypically think, but for goodness sake, that would be a great injection into the team. Like that's kind of where I see it. Cause I just don't know if uh, all of a sudden adding, some other all-star across the league really shifts things. That's kind of what what happened, bringing in Dewana Bonner, and it closed out to where like to where it is now. It's, like, it's just tough. Answering
0: the question to the Connecticut Sun problem is one of the hardest things. It's weird. Yeah. Well, when I, I think about, I mean, I think about our final four teams. Obviously, you've got Vegas. You've got Connecticut, who we just mentioned is probably the most disappointed of any team to end the year. Um, Seattle has to feel like, you know what? We've, we won our rings with this group. We're more about Sue, like Sue Bird's retirement at this point. Like, th- we had a damn good run. That's, that's kind of the Seattle attitude. Like, I know they would have liked to get one. I think they believe they have the talent to get one, but. You know, they can go back and look at the last 10 years of Seattle Storm basketball and feel like, obviously, undeniably, we were successful with this I, think, I, I
1: think currently yep. the Storm are just trying to get as many small children in Seattle to send videos to Bree Stewart saying, please don't leave Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. as possible. Just anything and, they possibly uh, yeah. can. I think that's the sole thing on their mind right now. Yeah, is- in,
0: in terms of actions in the offseason, that's a different story. But in terms of the, the general feeling over the past week or two as the season came to a close, I think Seattle fans, you probably don't hang your heads after the season you had. And likewise, I think Chicago fans probably stung pretty bad with how the Connecticut yep. series ended. But shortly thereafter, you watch Connecticut lose in the finals to Vegas anyway. You you kind of say, all right, well, Vegas was the best team this year. And look, yeah. we still got Candace Parker, and we still got a ring from last year. So we're feeling okay.
1: Yeah. I, I, if I were to guess, I think Chicago fans and the Chicago Sky want an honest scratch against the aces in a playoff scenario. I think they really want, because I think that was the matchup that was going to be most anticipated and credit to Connecticut. They, they, they love, I just think it's, it's classic what Kurt Miller said. They love showing up when, when they're from behind, when, when no one's thinking about them. And so it was like a perfect scenario to say, well, let's, let's destroy this matchup. People want to see and make our own way and credit to them for that. Uh, but I think in Chicago's mind, they're going, we deserve a shot at this. Um, I think they'll maintain as much of their roster as possible and, and handle that well. I will say this. Um, I felt really strong. There was a really high shot that Chicago had at, at repeating a title, especially when the Emma move happened. Um, I, is this possibly, is this Aces team, did they have the highest stock at being the first back-to-back team in 20 years that we've seen in those 20 years? Or uh, am I overthinking it? Because I, I won't
0: call it the highest just because I think the Sparks who actually did it. You, you raised this point in the chat not too long ago. People always talk about, like, the Sparks had all these talented players. How could they get rid of them all? It's like, well, they did win back-to-back championships before... You know, before they went about retooling their team, they they did a pretty good job with. Kansas well, they
1: Park won. They they won, won. They, they, uh, they they won one. They they uh they won twenty sixteen and they lost in twenty seventeen. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm,
0: I thought they were. Are, are they the last ones to do it? They're The last ones to do it, but there was the. But it wasn't. They did it, it wasn't in two thousand one, two thousand two. I'm sorry. That's right. Um, yeah. In in my head, they they had gotten a couple. That's right. They did win in twenty sixteen yeah. though with that group, and I just think like, oh yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a pretty successful run. That's that's. The opposite of gathering a bunch of talent and then wasting it. Like, they, yeah. I mean, they almost, they almost ran it back. Um, in that case, yeah, I, I mean, the landscape of this league changes so much. I mean, it gives us months worth of content to talk about every offseason because of the draft, because of the limited amount of spots, because of free agency movement. Um, this offseason in particular, Bree Stewart's the headliner, but there's going to be a lot of big players on the move. Yeah. Um, it didn't really impact this season so much. Um, like Tina Charles going to Phoenix and then later to Seattle ended up not being as impactful as maybe some people thought. Um, I think next season is going to be pretty major. You're going to see the identity of a couple teams. If, if Bree Stewart goes mm-hmm. to the New York Liberty, which is like the big rumor, right? Like that, that changes the complexion of the entire league. Right. So, It's hard to say without knowing what every other team is going to look like. But it certainly feels like if Vegas was the best team this year and they bring everybody back and everybody's still in their prime, you're assuming the health of all those players for a team that plays basically six deep, which is a little dangerous. But yeah, uh, I don't expect them to have any sort of championship hangover. I expect them to be right back in the mix next year. And to your question, like, I think unless... Maybe one of those Seattle teams. Um, I, mm. I definitely had them pegged as a potential repeat champion the year after they won it. But I mean, yeah, they, they have a, a real good shot. It's, it's hard to win a, a WNBA championship, <laughs> but the reason yeah. that it doesn't happen too often back to back isn't just because players get older and they move and contracts end. It's because it, it, I, and I want to be careful how I phrase this. Even if you're the very best team in the league, it takes a couple things to go your way. Take the, the Seattle storm semifinal game against Vegas, right? I think if the storm goes up to one in that series, we're not even having this conversation right now. Um, yep. it, it takes a few crazy chaotic sports things to go your way in order to win a championship and doing that twice in a row, um, is nearly unheard of. Right, like it's just it's really at this
1: difficult. point, yeah. I t- literally, two teams in the history of the league have done it. One of them doesn't exist anymore, so it's it's pretty hard. I mean, in comparison to are they the highest propensity ever? I mean, you probably compare them to those Minnesota teams because they had like three different opportunities to do that, and it didn't quite work out on their end, but. I watched this this Vegas team when it went zeros in Game Four when they were the champions, and it just you got the sense of a team that was still mid stride. Like they could have, they had like another series in them. Like they were, I, there's, I, it, the youth alone of this roster tells me that there's a high propensity for them to be able to run this back. The fact that I feel like they're going to maintain their roster pretty well, we'll see where uh, Derek Hamby is coming out of her pregnancy, which congratulations to her uh, and her family. Um, like it, how that um, you know, where her recovery comes post that um, and how that affects you know, her six women level performance. But just, you know, obviously what she contributes is invaluable. But you look at the the rest of this starting squad. I mean, Chelsea Gray's 29 uh, and then everyone else. <laughs> I mean, it, you, there's so much high potential. I, I think I look at the current roster just from start to finish, you know, Sid Colson's 32 and then Raquana Williams is 31. And then you have a couple 29ers. Everyone else is like 25 or under. You have Kelsey Plum, who's, uh, uh you know, a monolithic 27, uh, <laughs> you know, is comparatively. She, is she
0: really just 27? That's, that's yeah. almost, uh, that's, baffling to me yeah that's people, the thing is people still talk about kelsey plum as though this is like oh like she had this renaissance you know in the twilight of her career it's like she's in the prime of her career fifth season <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> calm down everyone yeah no it's 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 like it might have been six foot pressure but, sure. but I'm like three years older than kelsey Plum. but i mean I when you if look, at, look at that. you i think at least age and like prominence-wise, there's really no question marks as far as the roster looks. No. Injuries happen, those types of things happen, but that's where this looks, is like this is a team that seems pretty well-oiled and can come together. And I just feel like the energy Um of what Hammond injected into this team, because there's a lot of people who would say, well, this team – would still be, when you factor the run they had, you know, back in 2020 and into now, I just don't see the 2020 team and this team as the same roster. Other no. than there's a lot of similar players, entirely different organizations, uh, with Hammond in play, with the way that they play, with the prominence of certain players and where they were, uh, slotted in 2020. I think it's like, this is very much the start of a run. And while you can't predict Right away, oh, they'll win another title. I think the stock, uh the over-under on their potential to do it is as high as we've ever seen. Uh Simply because of how young and impressionable this team is, how much they believe in each other. Because it's more than just the talent base. They really seem to be a unit who like to see each other succeed. Which is why when you have a team of Kelsey Plum, Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young coming through big, Derek Hamby, one of the best bench players in the history of the league, Kia Stokes coming in at very big times, all of that building up, hey, let's bring in Raquana Williams to close it out. Like, it's just yeah, like, just, ah, they just have options on options. They're just really like,
0: good. And I, I do – I'm as excited as anyone about what 2023 could look like for Vegas. I am generally anti – evil empires in sports, but I I could get down with a Vegas, uh, like a little mini Vegas dynasty here for the next two, three years, because they are going to be the team to beat as other teams change rosters. It's worth mentioning that even though I'm very concerned about what Connecticut can or should do in the off season and Chicago does have a lot of unrestricted free agents and decisions to make, um, Chicago was tied at the end of the regular season record wise with these aces. Um, ended up losing out on the one seed by a tiebreaker and Connecticut was just a game behind. So for as much as we love this Vegas team, the idea that they have kind of a locked up opportunity to run it back next year and win another ring. is like, well, remember the, the tier of teams that they were a part of this year was three teams at least. Yeah. Uh, and you expect other teams to kind of rise to the occasion next year as well. So.
1: And I guess the difference for me is, uh, I almost think of it as an analogy of watching two fighters at the end of a match. You know, one looks like they put their last drop of sweat on the canvas and the other one looks like they could go four more rounds. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> that's almost kind of the feeling that I got, but you're correct and to say, I mean, this was a, a-, a Aces team that kicked off nine and one, um, looked very much polished and unstoppable and had a skid for a while, ended up barely, barely squeaking by, that top seed and honestly what a big deal that turns into because when you look at what Connecticut was ready to be loaded with in that semifinals being a 2 seed was not enviable uh and so that was very important two that by the way if that tiebreaker swings one way or the other who knows yeah. What, you know, who knows what the narrative is if you're looking at Chicago one and Vegas two. That's the, it's why this is such a game of, of inches in a way. Um, but this is where we stand. And obviously, you know, huge congratulations to the aces. This is very exciting for them and, and for, I think, basketball in general. Um, you know, I think Asia Wilson has fully checked all the boxes of the narrative to become the face of a sports league. Yes. And to very much be kind of the future that brings in, uh, new and, and lapsed fans and be an inspiration for young players. Um, and there's just, I, I, I don't know that there's a better choice. I just like, yep. down to seeing her slam covered earlier this week, just like, this is it. This is, this is what checks all the boxes. And I hope that that maintains itself well because, um, when it comes to mainstream media, there is a little bit of color, color blindedness when it comes to that. And a lot of people have already talked about that. Um, and, this is that definite case where this is just a no brainer. I'm excited for that, but there's a lot to be impelled there, but what a fun year. I just overall, very fun season, very impressive performances all around. Um, You know, a lot to dig into, but is there anything else you feel like discussing Uh, about the finals at all? Before we call Not
0: necessarily about the the finals, but before the end of the episode, um, this, this is how dominant that team USA basketball has been in world cup games for like the last 20 years is it's kind of just a footnote in this episode, even though it is a big deal. Um, team USA basketball has won 27 games in a row in the FIFA world cup. They are in the world cup semifinals after kind of a wake up call game is what, uh, ESPN is calling it against Serbia. Um, basically anything short of a world cup win would be seen as a big shock. Um, doesn't mean that it's any less important, but that it's sort of the same deal as the Olympics where it's like the expectation is that they go and they dominate and they win. Um, I don't have anything more to add to that other than it is kind of instructive to be watching some of these teams play together. You have some of the aces there like Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum. You also have Kalia Copper who we didn't like, we saw a little bit in that final Chicago game, um, of, of what she's capable of and what we saw in the finals last year. Um, But Clea Copper is really getting hers on the world stage in the FIBA World Cup. So I'm excited to see Chicago continue to build around her. There's other narratives that are going to emerge around specific players from that. So just keep an eye on that. Um, uh, basically, just, everything that Bree Stewart says about like, like, oh, this player is really good. People are going to take and turn it a headline like Bree Stewart wants to play with Clea Copper. So just be ready. That's coming. Um, it's just <laughs> which is so funny. I, first of
1: all, I, I think it's, it's going to be a necessary evil because this is the type of scuttlebutt you get with uh league garnering a lot of attention. So it's actually, you know, unfortunately the behind the scenes free agency world, which, which gives me a headache uh, comes with that level of popularity. I always talk about, you know, MNBA free agency, I think gets more social engagement than the actual season. Uh, people love talking about free agency a lot more than I think they talk about basketball Uh and it's weird, but I think as y- you're going to see some level there, but I also, those questions always make me laugh. Like, Oh, she wants to play with Kahlia Copper. Yeah. I think a lot of people so, want to play with Kahlia Copper. Most,
0: most people,
1: <laughs> I most people would enjoy given the opportunity. Hey, <laughs> we might, would you like to play, you know, all things, whatever in a vacuum, would you like to play with her? Uh, sure. Yeah, that would be that would be a pretty ace. I think I would enjoy that. Like, it's just one of those situations. Like, that's just going to keep coming up. Of like, oh, she wants to play with. Uh, now I'm going to name all Sky players, but it's like, it's like, oh, she wants to play with uh, freaking. It would be so hard, Brittany
0: Sykes. Uh huh. Yeah, it would be. So I hard would not too. To troll everyone if I was Bree Stewart for the next three months. I would just regularly be seen in public with, like, Ben Laney and then, like... Just just do the Liz Cambage, like, just
1: video like TikToks
0: of you landing on a plane in a city. Right, like, going, uh, go, to, go to Dallas for, like, a football game. Like, just be seen everywhere. I, I would have a lot of fun doing that. That's why yeah, it's of course. Like, that because I wasn't it's, blessed with God-given talent, but...
1: That's the thing is, like, some people will get annoyed by that and, like, oh, they're kind of making it about themselves. I'm like... I, few times in your life, do you get to be in a situation where so many people with so much money legitimately want you, like are courting <laughs> well, you, are there to boy you up? It, it's like why, like eat, let let that like have. I'm sorry if anyone was in that situation, you too would
0: Richie Rich the whole thing. Well, like you would have when, fun with it. When it comes to Stewie, especially, I think it's a, like no one better ever accuse her of making anything about herself. She's been. Like, such, a, you talked about Asia Wilson being such a good face of the league. Like, Stewie has, has kind of been, I, you're gonna hate this comparison and I apologize in, in advance. She's been a little Tim Duncan-ish in her, like, I think she's a little bit softer than some of the, the players that are like really outspoken and, you know, biting it at media and stuff on Twitter and stuff like that. Like, Bree Stewart's just tweeted for the last 200 days plus, our friend Brittany Griner is still like in prison in Russia and this isn't okay. Like that's the only thing she's tweeted for almost a year. Like she's, she's a little bit more reserved. Like she's, she's done, you know, uh, players, tribune articles and stuff like that. Like, it's not like she's completely absent from the public eye, but she's one of the last players I would ever accuse of being like, oh, she's just fishing for that spotlight. Like, <laughs> so,
1: but like, yeah, but I almost think it's more like go be seen of like, uh, uh-huh. You know, be where people are going to take, you know, like let people play the like, oh, did like, you hear she was at this summer league game or like, well, not yeah, summer league. The this, flashy this thing that she does like, is
0: I think she and Sue Bird go like shopping at the Nike employee store together and then wear like really expensive Nikes around town. And like, yeah. <laughs> that's and just like, was she the one that bought the, uh, did she buy an Escalade for her parents? Someone bought a really
1: nice car. Why does that sound like yes? I I don't want to say for sure because I might be thinking of someone else. But, like, it's in that (laughs) that world of, like, she did that. I remember she got – I think she got, like, a Maserati or something. Good. Whatever. Good. (laughs) But it was legitimately, like – she didn't, like, post uh, – like, tweet an image of her with it. Like, like someone found her photo and turned it into, like, an article of, like, oh, look what she's doing. Like, that's kind of what – like <clears throat> that side of it is. So it's to the point of like, if you're uh, a women's sports media personnel person, like freaking speculate away. You know, if she's sure, you know, if she shows up at a Colts game, I, I, all I want to hear is what are the Bree Stewart to the fever scenarios? That's all I want to hear. Uh, like, good on you. Like, th- why not? You know, play it up, have some fun with it. I, this is going to be a really intriguing year for a lot of that. But here's the thing, too. Almost a more intriguing year for college altogether, because there's really a wide-open script as far as teams that are going to step up. um And is South Carolina going to become an evil empire on their own? Even though my feeling is Don Staley is the
0: biggest celebrity in all sports right now, but that's me. <laughs> Um, I mean, they I, might I, considering they're they're paying their employees and other teams aren't. Yes, so that was <laughs> the point
1: I was about to make. I think we talk about uh, you know, Becky Hammond and, and shifting with the W, the shift that Don Staley in South Carolina continue to make with the face of of women's sports in college and namely women's basketball. Uh, that narrative continues. Uh, they announced that uh, players. I guess unanimously agreed to a 25k NIL deal structure for this upcoming season. Essentially what this means is each player has an allotment of $25,000 off of a name image likeness deals as a base. Uh, anything additional or personal, players still have the ability to, to build off of. So. Yeah, Aaliyah Boston is still going to be pulling in that Crocs money then Under Armour money. <laughs> Zaya Cook is still going to be pulling in the H and R and Bojangles money. My favorite mixture of sponsors. That's you my possibly is, find
0: is Aaliyah Boston's got like Under Armour, bows, Crocs. Crocs. <laughs> I love it. I do love it. I just
1: love – I love H&R Block and Bojangles. I see the taxes and chicken. Like what more do you need? Um, so I, like Aaliyah, Zai Cook and Ali Boster are probably going to be the big names that pull in a lot of those opportunities. But I love seeing this because essentially what this is saying is because this is a program that's, that gives so much to the university financially and also on an intrinsic level, just being a strong program – you know, that much money over one year for a college student essentially means we're making sure you're taken care of. It's not yep. big time six figure, you know, kickback money. But that about will take care of it as terms of college fees, living expenses, like what you're going to need to, to feed yourself, what you're going to need to set yourself up and and – that alone, when you consider how often are we constantly told about the grind of uh NCAA athlete and what they go through every day. Um so this, you know, I think is is huge on that level. And if people are looking at the 25k and saying, yeah, but it could be more, the fact that we have a base level that is being allotted at this level to every player, knowing it's the beginning, like South Carolina wins another national championship. We could be talking about that being what doubled in a season. I, like, <laughs> like this is just the beginning of the setup. And I just think the precedents that are continuing to being bowled out are, are very intriguing. It's just, it's, it's things we never thought we'd see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I I'm not going to get on this soapbox because we're towards the end of this episode. This isn't the biggest story in the world. Name and likeness is a game changer. People like us who are, like, like, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to feel so old talking about the days before name and likeness, and kids are going to be like, What are you talking about? People couldn't make money off of like teaching swimming lessons and like being on a local billboard. It's going to sound so foreign to people. Um, but I, I did just see in the ESPN article yeah. the other day that, um, the Cavender twins, formerly of Fresno State, um, who, who very famously have this massive, I think Instagram following. I don't know. I'm too old to care. They have about a huge, huge social um, following. They yeah. have reportedly cleared a million dollars in name and likeness funds already. Um, they're no longer in Fresno; they transferred to Miami. Um, I think it's hilarious that every time you see them come up, you see the, like the stat they always cite is like combined for like 35 points a game, which is hilarious. Like, when else do you ever see like two players combined to point totals as like anything that's yeah. relevant? And then, and then it always has like their follower count right after. And it's like, that's, they're the best business people in the game right now. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's starting quarterbacks in the SEC that aren't making a million dollars. And the Cavender twins are out there. Like they've got their own apparel brand. They've partnered up with a bunch of people. They've transferred to bigger, like bigger market. I, I both loathe and admire what name and likeness has done to sports so far. But it's it's so good that people have the opportunity to do yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> it's like I said, injury
1: aside, Paige Beckers has the potential to eventually enter the WNBA. Already <laughs> the most play player in the league. Like she should. Yeah, I just I, right I away. Hope I hope mean, she does. I hope she does. Her social following alone, when she was in high school, like before she got to UConn, was absolutely insane. Um, I think my favorite Gino moment on social ever was he posted a picture in his office with Paige And I just said, I'm just doing this to get my follower count up. Um,
0: like it's, I hope, it's- I hope she shows up to like mini camp day one in a helicopter, like old diva wide receivers used to show up to like off season, you know, yeah. like OTAs like, I like, I hope it snows tonight. Like, I, I want yeah. the chaos of like a multi millionaire college athlete going to the big league.
1: Yeah, you want, you want the, like the Disney Channel original sports movie moment of like, yes. this is what would happen in this setting. I want and I blank think, check Paige Becker's the believe. You know what? How about this? I want Paige Becker's in a Disney original movie. Like, let's, let's get one of these players. <laughs> just do that. Like, go, go back. Like, like that. Cause that's on the, like, I don't know what the, if there are ramifications and I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. That's like on the table. And we're yet to, I think, see that fully of like, like, what if someone's like, uh, this is going to sound really weird, but like page and Aszy could be a buddy cop movie. Let's try it. Like, I don't know. Weird things are on the table, but until then I, you know, I just love the precedent. This is being set because this goes just beyond, what your star players could pull in. Like we knew Elite Boston's I cooked that level of player was going to be able to pull in, uh, some really good funding, but it's really cool to watch the entire roster at least be taken care of on a base level and receiver goes from there. Um, and if you're Don Staley, I love that idea of saying like, you know what? I got my bag. I earned it and I got my bag as a coach. And now we're going to do what we can to make sure that my players are also getting something for it. And that's fantastic. Like that. Yeah. I, the level of investment being put into that team. And before anyone says that it's unfair or it's overinflated, it's probably still a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. What South Carolina's football team gets for their hot tub room in their facility, you know, like it's let's not over inflate this, but the growth is, is there. I'm excited about it. Um We've taken up a lot of time here. So, uh, you know, the only other college update that I have is,
0: Kim Mulkey, you can go to. <laughs> you can go to. <laughs> I was going to say Don Staley, come back on the show. We love you. We miss I'm you. Not anti LSU basketball. Not, not I'm excited Kim, to see what Angel Reese does we on the court. We don't want Mulkey on the show. Kim Mulkey, you can go to. Nicky Collin can come back. We want Nicky Collin back on the show
1: every day. Uh, that's that, and that's the juxtaposition, by the way, that people were sharing during this whole saga. Yeah, yeah. You know, Kim Mulkey, not even taking a question, and by the way, in a callous nature. That's the difference. Not even a no comment. Well, you're not going to, right? Can we get a response from you're not going to like, you just are such a freaking like, oh, it drives me freaking nuts. Just, just come in with a blue line flag on your hat and get it over with. Like, I'm just done with it. And, and Nikki Cullen, who yes, is Baylor's coach, but also didn't have any personal direct connection to Brittany Grant. Like, freaking Kim Mulkey did as her coach in the most important era in Baylor basketball's history. And I think someone took the juxtaposition of like, she was asked at a press conference. She took five, almost five minutes describing the situation, talking about Brittany, talking about the scenario and what's going on and her personal feelings, being very sincere, like proving that you can be a coach in this high string situation and still have a heart in this scenario and someone who could maybe make up at least a schmidgen of goodwill after I don't know, forcing Brittany Grinder to remain in the closet while she played for you. Uh, you could maybe take some effort into putting in some goodwill and you did it as if it was just some weird flyaway clown question when it's actually you're the person that we'd love to hear about. Um, I I don't care if whatever she touches turns to gold in terms of basketball uh, there's just, there would be no way in, in, a in flying hell, uh, I could ever see someone let, uh, their daughter, sister, what have you, whatever, play for a program like that under that type of coach. I'm just <laughs> baffled by the whole freaking yeah, thing. It's we, the uh, most, it's the most, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I don't even care if this annoys anyone. It was the most white trash take of white <laughs> trash sports takes. And we—that's what we don't need. We, I, I, if there's anything that we need so much less in the world of sports, and especially, it's less white trash takes. So leave that where it belongs, in the garbage. Okay, Kim Mulkey, you're a household name, but so is garbage, and it stinks when it gets old too. So I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I've had it uh, with heat, that whole there's thing. There's heat
0: coming from Steve's microphone. We, Remember when all I was going to say was uh, go to hell and
1: then I didn't cut it off. I'm just no, done. We, like we, this I, is a negative I, I like spin to be on Staley it. We stay fairly
0: that. balanced on the on the pod. We're a we're a coach daily and a coach uh, Colin pod Collins pod. We we aren't even an anti LSU pod, but we're not much of a Kim Mulkey pod. No, uh, I just no. Advice, you know <laughs> Angel Reese is very much may be player like
1: national player of the year may come in with high draft stock. Fantastic, that's great. Like let's continue on that front, Um but you know. The next time that uh Kim Mulkey throws such a hissy fit on the court over a foul call that John Boy has to cover it because it was <laughs> such a big hissy fit, it's no longer going to be funny. It's just going to be indicative of how freaking white trash Bobby Knight-like unsafe you are as a person. And, you know, one day you'll retire and we can all breathe. But... This is a really like negative spin take on things, and that I, I, I hate that we we're gotta, closing such a positive episode or a negative
0: way. We, we but I open find, this up. Yeah, we got to find something good to talk about for the last thirty seconds. Um, um, Legos are really uh, good these days. Legos <laughs> are good; they are. Um, Bluey, Bluey season three has come to the US. Some good things are happening this fall.
1: Bluey's, I love you, jumping. When in doubt, jump to Bluey. That should <laughs> that should absolutely happen. We have a, a high, we have such a good high percentage of Aussie players. In the league, when are we going to get a W cameo? When are we getting like a Sammy Whitcomb on a Bluey
0: episode, or like a Sam Kerr a soccer player? On- how much how much trouble do you think we get in if we just have uh, Jason start splicing in the Bluey theme as our closing music? Do we um, I don't think we, I
1: don't <laughs> think we'd get in trouble. People do it enough on on TikTok that, that with the amount we do it wouldn't get us in trouble. I mean, I mean, I guess if you could maybe me- you could maybe end my weird Kimulki rant with just blueing the. Can we get the bill? Like, because um,
0: like, that's oh, about boy. what this, I did to this, this is entire why I don't thing. Let's do episodes together often enough. Yeah, because we. Cause be we... Go... <laughs> we have an but hour pre-record I mean, to get this out of our system. But, but we still, b- the point that you make
1: really stands. Like, we've got Women's World Cup to enjoy. There's a lot of fun. This is a very spicy women's roster, and I love it. And they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, apparently you can win by 33 and it's a wake up call. So that's a cool thing I learned today. Um, it's a really fun, uh, stat from the women's. So there's a lot there to, to dive into. Um, we've, we've talked a lot about college and the pickup there, what that's going to look like. Um, oh, fashion week. I had meant to talk about fashion week more and we didn't get a chance to. We had a lot of players, uh, who got, uh, we're a part of the fashion week trend walking on the, on, I was going to say the red carpet, but doing some platform walking, which is really cool, which is what I'm really excited about. This off season is we, we have a lot less players that may potentially be going overseas. I'm really excited to see what other ventures we have to build into there. There's just a lot to look out for. This is going to be a fun catch up on the news type of program over the next month and a half or so, as we gear up for the college season, there's just a lot to be excited about We're we're stoked to make this happen. I know Kyle is still a knuckle deep into getting a, a W history up and running. I have a couple thoughts as well. So we have a lot of that programming to potentially build in on. There's a lot going on here. WMBA nation. Don't think we're, we've gone away. We're still here and, and we're still ready to bring in some content. And as always, you can stay connected with us uh, on socials, uh, grab some merch, whatever it is to stay connected with us. Best way to do that. Head over to WMBANation.com uh and link with us. Any efforts there?
0: Anything else I'm missing as we close this one out, Logan? Nope. Uh, Kyle's little girls are actually directly above me hitting a, a piano, so I think it's time for us to play ourselves out here.
1: <laughs> that's the, that's the, yeah. That's a sl- See if they'll play the Bluey team, um, and we'll make that happen. But, but yes, uh, that's everything for now. Stay tuned. We've got a lot more to cover. The, the world of women's basketball continues to circle and fly by and women's sports in general the NWSL playoffs are just around the corner those are gearing up a lot to be excited about we have a, a uh, nope I was wrong that's a thing that already happened but until we get to everything else um, we'll be here to cover side by side with you thank you so much for listening to this episode of WNBA Nation I'm Steve Schwartzman I'm Logan Jones and we got you next time